Get your hands dirty with the Gardening Gang. Saturday mornings at 8 on Coast FM 963. The station with the classic hits and every Saturday morning, The Gardening Gang with Pete Little and Sherilyn Darcy. Good morning to you, Sherilyn. Good morning. I'll just turn your microphone Let's on. do that. Okay, now we're <laughs> being sponsored today by Alan Graham's Caravans and RVs, who are based at uh, Wyoming, open all weekend, mm-hmm. and also Doormaster Security Doors and Windows at Berkeley Vale. The topic of conversation today, friends and neighbours, community gardens. Mm-hmm. Have we heard enough about them? No. Well, <laughs> today you'll hear more. Why, Sherilyn? Why? Well, there's been a lot of discussion about community gardens, particularly on the central coast. There's been a few of our gardens worried about possible rent increases and a lot are worried about this new rezoning of community lands by council at the moment. And we've got a very knowledgeable fellow, Kevin Armstrong, speaking with us uh, in the first hour. He's actually the coordinator of Bado Bay Community Gardens and he's fantastic. He really gets into the, the nitty gritty and the legal things. And It's he, almost the really how-to, isn't it? It is the how-to. So he's he's very, very good like that. Uh, we'll also be talking with Mary Ann Hamilton from Terrigal Gardens, Community Gardens. Hasn't been established yet, but they've been working about a year to get it established. Really good case study. If you're interested in putting a community garden in your area, listening to these people and hearing their journey and what needs to be done to do this, it's not as it's not as easy as you think. You think it would be like just grab a piece of land. I'm sure that's what you think, Pete, in the corner of Saratoga there and throw a few plants on and Bob's your uncle. But no, 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 my friend. Welcome all. <laughs> but uh, look, it is so rewarding once you get there. There's a lot of community gardens that are very successful on the central coast. Lots of them. Now, when you say that, Mm -hmm. I'm sort of thinking to myself there's maybe a dozen across the coast? No, Pete. There's well... Existing ones? No, there's well existing ones. There's well in excess of 20. Now, I really want to do a count soon on that. But look, there's one at, as I said, Beto Bay, East Gosford Community Garden. They're a really, really good friend of ours just down the road. Green Point's got the community patch. I like that. Gwandolin Summer Point Community Garden. I've been up there. There's the Swamp as well, which is over at, at uh, at Wyong. That's it. Carry on Eco Garden, fantastic example of, of how community community gardens can work. Woi Woi Peninsula Community Garden. Now that is the home of the coordinator of all of these. Well, she doesn't like to be called a coordinator, but she runs the Community Garden Network Facebook page and she likes to get, this is Tanya Hayden, she likes to get all of the coordinators together and share resources and ideas and she's the coordinator at Woi Woi Peninsula Community Garden. So very good there. San Remo is beautiful. I love that. It's just down the road from me. Fantastic. So there's just a few. It's a handful of them. Okay, well, 20 community gardens. I know there are a couple of uh, community groups attempting to get their uh, get their story heard by the council. Mm-hmm. And let's uh, just play a bit of a tune and get um, uh, Marianne on the line, okay? Let's do that. Talk about the experiences of somebody who was aspiring to run a community garden at Terrigal. Coast FM, Pete Little and Sherilyn Darcy with The Gardening Gang. Now, if you and your group in wherever you live on the coast mm-hmm. plan to start your own community garden, it's really easy, Sherilyn. Oh, it's not really easy, It's like really a walk in the Pete. park. <laughs> <laughs> and I can hear our guests having a little bit of a laugh there too. <laughs> well, we thought we'd invite Marianne Hamilton on board today because Marianne's been working for a while to get a uh, community garden going at Terrigal. Mm. Uh, can't say where they haven't chosen yet, but uh, Marianne's joining us on the line today. 
to talk about some of the obstacles that they have yeah. gone through with uh, all the different bodies that need to get part of the yeah, process. Yeah, yeah. She knows. She's at the coalface, as it were. G'day, Marianne. <laughs> Hello, Marianne. Hi. Well, Marianne, Hi. how long have you been working on this project uh, for a community garden at Terrigal? Since um, early last year. Right. came up with the idea after two and a bit years of lockdown and mm-hmm. um, people have got cabin fever and are desperate to get out. Also in Terrigal, we've got quite a lot of apartment buildings where people would love to get oh. their hands dirty yes. and have a little yes. bit of a garden. Yes, indeed. And, and so they're very keen to get out and experience what it would be like to be part of a community and part of a garden. So in terms of your numbers there, have you grown your, your membership of or, or interested parties? We've got a Facebook page. Um, which has got uh, over 250 members. Ah, right, okay. okay that's good. There's an inter- interest there. That There's positive interest. You've grown. Yes, there is. Yep, yep, mm. you've grown. Yes, absolutely. And so we, we had a public consultation back in April mm-hmm. at the surf club at, at Terrigal and um, lots of people there were interested in getting involved. We've got a core group, like a, a kind of a loose committee and uh, we're That's actually good. currently being auspiced by the Terrigal Neighbourhood Centre. So they have been assisting us with applying for funding at... Mm-hmm. Um, with our fundraising. So I thought right at the beginning, we need to convince the council that this is A, a good idea, mm-hmm. and B, that we can raise money ourselves, which we've already done. And so how, how have you gone with council with this? Well, the problem with council that I see at the moment is they don't seem to have a coherent plan for community gardens. So I'm in touch with several other community gardens, and they all operate slightly differently, but there doesn't seem to be a coherent plan going forward what is the council going to do? Because initial email that I sent to the council, I said, oh, the council is not supporting community gardens now. Hang yeah. on. So they wrote back to you and said that? Yes. Yes, in March last year. And I didn't let that uh, deter me. No, although I think, thankfully, that you well, didn't. I'm there's just... been a bit of reorganisation at the council. Well, so maybe has, someone okay. left and someone came and forgot that well, there was policy, mm, you know. Mm. Uh, yes, yeah. it's, it's very uh, strange. I mean, there's been some really nice people there, uh, but again, it's the bureaucracy and the mm. navigating all that, mm. and mm. and um, they've told us, they've even warned, warned us now that it can take several years. Apparently, they only do, they're only up to 16 leases a year. Are they gardening leases? Gardens, oh, not gardens. No, oh. all over, all over. Why? Did they tell you why? <laughs> I don't know. What are you saying? It's 16 uh, leases of their assets? A year, that's all their process. Whether it's... Uh... Yeah. That's, managed, a, that's what they're managing to get through at the moment. I mean, I oh, find that extraordinary. Yeah, well, that sounds low, doesn't it? Yeah. So they've told you for your Terrigal Garden, yeah. Community Garden, I'm hearing it could take up to three years for you to have a, a lease granted after you've done all the things that's that right. they want you and to it, do. And it, it took Woi Woi three years. It took some of the other gardens two years. They've, they've all gone through varying stages, I guess. It, but, it must be very hard know. to keep the community interest when you're having to wait that long. Yeah. I mean, we can all understand there's months involved. I could get that, maybe right. even up to a year. But how are you managing that? Well, we've had these fundraising events. So we had the public meeting. Mm-hmm. We had a raffle there. We had a fundraising at Bunnings the last mm-hmm. year. And then we also had a trivia night mm-hmm. uh, down at the Leisure and Learning Centre at Duffy's Road. Mm-hmm. And we raised a good bit of money there. And since then, we've got a grant a $5,000 grant. So, How would you use that sort of money? That'll be for, for things for the garden, you know. That we oh, need. okay, right. Yes. But I thought there may be some so, administration costs you've got to pay because I don't think the council yes. give Community Garden a free ride, do they? That is interesting. Now, some of them pay a certain amount on a lease, 
Mm-hmm. Others have a peppercorn leaf. Peppercorn. <laughs> You're hoping for the peppercorn, but also, what sort of yeah. charges for you for your DAs and and reports and that? It costs so, thousands. You can yes. apply for a waiver. That'll be a couple of Bunnings barbecues in that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and have they given you any indication what that waiver is based on? Is it Do you get a waiver because you're a community garden or, or do there need to be other things involved in there? Are there other criteria? Well, we haven't applied for the waiver yet because we ah. haven't applied for the DA yet. So ah. we're in the planning for the DA. So, uh, Marianne, what's the next fundraiser? Raffle, is it? The fundraiser is a, a raffle at Bunnings at Erina, the 4th of, of, 4th of March. 4th of March. 4th okay. of March. Saturday. So it's in the morning, Saturday yeah. morning we can get down and uh, get a raffle. Morning. Well, if there's a need there, there's going to be uh, the passion to push it through. And I always there find is, if, there's there a, if there's a genuine need in the community, there's going to be people there who will drive the whole, and you're one of them, you're yep. one of them, Marianne, mm-hmm. and you can't yeah, afford you. <laughs> to uh, kind of get uh, you know, waylaid by too many of the bureaucratic processes, mm. which still have to be followed, no question about that. Mm. That's right. You can't fight City Hall. No, 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 that's right. <laughs> but well, you can. I like your attitude. Can I? Yeah. Hey, Marianne, no, nice talking fight. to you today. It's been a really good experience on how uh, you've navigated through the early stages of developing a, uh, a community garden at Terrigal keep in contact obviously and no doubt right. when the opening day is on we'll be down there with our radio broadcast we'll to do, cheer you yeah, on yeah let's you do it <laughs> thank you Marianne thanks Marianne thank you so much thank you there's Marianne Hamilton okay. there Coast FM with the gardening gang this morning there's a love and spoonful and the summer in the city at Coast FM 963 25 minutes after 8 o'clock with uh, me mate Sherilyn Darcy mm-hmm. And her mate, Pete Little. Am I a friend of yours? <laughs> you are You're a very friend good friend of mine. Uh, you know something exciting, Pete? I think you've uh, got a... I know you've got a very special anniversary coming up and uh, there's another anniversary coming up too. It's For you? Our, it's our anniversary oh, as well. Okay. Next month, three years on air, The Gardening oh. Gang. Well, mate, we've been told many lies over that period too. But it's all very honest today. We're talking about how to establish a community garden. Mm. Sherilyn had mentioned that we've got 20 of those on the coast and there are people out there who are very keen to pursue developing those. And there's a bit of a mine fall, a mine fall, a bit of a mine shaft, is that the word? Oh, yeah. A bit it's of a, a minefield is maybe it's the a word. Mi- I think minefield is the thing. And we've got, a, as I said, Kevin Armstrong is joining us. And he's from the Bado Bay Community Garden. He started off at the men's shed there with a really good idea to put a community garden in and boy does he know his stuff Pete. Okay Kevin Armstrong coming up real soon in the meantime Coast FM Pete Little and Sherilyn Darcy the gardening gang heard far and wide across the central coast Mm, every Saturday morning and the guest on the phone is Kevin Armstrong Armstrong. easy to remember because the first person that stood upon the moon was Neil Neil Armstrong oh there you go any relation Kev not that I know of, mate, otherwise I'd be rich and famous and I'm not. <laughs> he hasn't been to the moon and back, but there you go. <laughs> no. Now, Sherilyn... the moon many times. So oh, I, I like that quick return there. That's very he good. He gazes at the moon. He does. So, Kev, I'm going to get Sherilyn here to... Uh, Put us in the picture. And to put you in the picture, Kevin has been on the gardening gang before. I think it was when you had your caravan sort of going up north, actually. Oh, yeah. And Kevin is one of our community garden. Uh, he's also a, gar- a community garden coordinator. coordinator. That's right. Men shared creator as well. Worker. He does a lot of fantastic things around the community, and he keeps his eye on the ball when it comes to the council as well. 
And we've had a lot of things going on with our community gardens. And Kevin's been fantastic in helping community gardeners kick off their gardens, giving them advice as well. So I thought we'd get Kevin on the line just to share with us what's going on with community gardens at the moment because people are getting a little worried about these new property rezoning things. Kevin, what is going on at the moment with that? Look, what council is uh, doing, uh, in essence, uh, is trying to manage uh, community land uh, somewhat better. Mm-hmm. They've done a poor job of explaining it, I might say, and I've taken that up directly with council, uh, and they have improved, uh, which is good to see. But well uh, council owns uh, a lot of property, uh, and in fact, managers uh, on behalf of Crown Lands, uh, another lot of properties. Mm. What council is trying to do uh, with the properties it manages is to categorise uh, each parcel of land that it owns with the sort of characteristic uses that might take place on that. Mm. It might be, for example, a park. Uh, it might be a sports field uh, that is usually active recreation. The land may also be bushland area. Uh, it may be natural bushland. Uh, and within that, there are a number of categories for example, wetlands uh, or escarpments uh, or foreshore areas. Mm. So what council is trying to do uh, is to categorise some of that land so that their plan of management better reflects what happens on the land, the characteristics of the land, what might happen on that land, um, Mm. and the use that can potentially be made of it. They've made a bit of a terminology, mind you. a lot of people think this is a rezoning. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, they think it's a reclassification. No, it's not. A classification of council land says whether it's operational and mm. can therefore be sold, uh, or whether it's community land, uh, which can't be sold. Uh, so a lot of people have had that confusion in their mind, mm. and quite frankly, council hasn't helped uh, dispel that confusion because it didn't properly explain the concepts and the words they were using and they're leaning. Okay. Well, mate, we all wish they were a bit clearer in many points, mate, even potholes. But the thing that uh, a lot of people, <laughs> if you understand that, well, and, I, and I appreciate that they've got uh, a lot of uh, priorities in their in their situation. The um, the planning for community gardens that that can sometimes, from people we've spoken to, Mr. Armstrong, can take years before, say, the enthusiasts get together and meet and, and, you know, pass a resolution to apply, and it could be five, six years sometimes. Would that be would that be unnecessary in another environment, you think, Kev? Look, it, it shouldn't take that long in my view, uh, and nor did our garden take that long, yeah. uh, but there was uh, an unreasonable delay uh, in some paperwork uh, around the place. I like to think of starting a successful community garden, and that means without too much angst and mm. too much delay. Yep. Starting a garden, uh, I sort of put into a couple of phases. Uh, phase one is the preparation phase, mm-hmm. uh, where you get together a core group of people. Do we want to be an incorporated association? Uh, what form does it take? Who's members? Uh, what fees are we going to charge? That sort of stuff. That's mm-hmm. organisation. Yes. Uh, and then actually putting together a plan uh, a documented plan that says uh, this is what we want to do, this mm-hmm. is why we want to do it, and this is how we're going to go about it. Mm-hmm. So that I sort of uh, put in the first phase of preparation, those three elements. That's all common sense for most organisations. Yeah. So the next yeah, phase right. we're going to move to now is like getting access to the dirt. 
Yeah, well, look, the next phase uh, I put as uh, you know, planning a site, uh, selecting a site, location, suitability and all that sort of stuff and working out what equipment you want. Yep. And the second part of that is having worked out what you want and uh, how, how you're going to do things is the funding for it. How are we going to pay for all this? Because a community garden is not cheap to establish. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen for 200 bucks. Uh, it doesn't happen for 2,000 bucks in most cases. Okay. So uh, uh-huh. some sort of external funding is required. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people sort of start out thinking, oh, we want to start a community garden. They don't work out why. Uh, and, uh, let's go and find a plot of land. Uh, and they really don't work out its suitability or they don't analyse that. Yeah, well, I guess it is, mate. It's a bit of a rush of blood to the head for some people. They've got a bit of time on their hands and they see how successful they are. They say, well, there's a, a block of land there. I can do it, At the yeah. end of the road, we might be able to use that. So what sort of help yeah. does council give, Kevin? Are they helpful? Are, are they, they sympathetic? Are they helpful? Now, that's a, that's a very difficult question to answer. Uh, I could get myself into all sorts of trouble here. Oh, oh mate, we'll turn the mic off. Okay, <laughs> just tell us on, on, the, on the QT, mate. <laughs> just between us and a few of our <laughs> close friends. The majority of council officers want to be helpful. Mm-hmm. And at one stage of the game, uh, as partly as a result of our experience, I approached council and said, look, uh, it would be great. So we actually uh, lobbied for a coordinator to be appointed, and we had a coordinator of community gardens. Yeah. Part of who was... Uh, all that liaison stuff within council. Mm. With the restructuring, uh, that person uh, is no longer there. So they don't want to have uh, somebody I, there, Kevin? Is that what it is? They can't do. afford it. Sorry, Kevin. I, I can't find it within council uh, who is actually responsible for community gardens. Uh, so at the moment, I'm hearing from quite a lot of people who are trying to establish community gardens across the coast, and I know a few. You've uh, heard of one at Saratoga as well. They want to start there as well. Hmm. It's the cost of the, the DAs and the reports as well. I, what? Kevin's explained that. He said it's a, a bucket of money required to get started. Oh, that's established, not what? to actually do the reports and things. I'm thinking, isn't there oh, some I way see. that isn't there some way that council can somehow defray those costs? Because surely that that's money you're paying council to do the paperwork. I think there's a very good case uh, that council uh, should be waiving fees for community gardens. Mm. Uh, after all, it's being run by volunteers who are putting their own time, energy, and effort in. Mm-hmm. Uh, those volunteers are, shouldn't be expected to then come and fund uh, a fee to council uh, yeah. to facilitate a community activity. Well, so, mate, I'm hearing it's a Pandora's box. Well, in open a- every box and you find another problem. <laughs> but, Kevin, you've explained it, is, it very well. Uh, uh, thank you, Kev. Appreciate Thanks, your time. It's been beautiful uh, joining you this morning with the gang. Not a problem at all. And uh, a privilege to come on your uh, program. Thank you. Good on you, mate. Thanks, all the Kevin. best. The Gardening Gang, Pete all and Sherilyn this morning, Coast FM. <laughs> Coast FM 963, and you're at home with the gardening gang with Cheryl and Pete. Time for MC Micro. Yes, we'll leave the garden for the moment. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> and Cheryl, the big goss is all about. I had a little bit of a preview. It's all about a new type of alternative to milk. That's what it is. MC, what is it? Yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a craze, isn't it? That's popping up in every in every cafe about now is you've got quite a selection to choose from, don't you? Mm. You know, do you want a soy? Do you want the milk from a soybean? Do you want milk from a, an almond milk or oat milk, macadamia nut milk, yeah. cow's milk? And now, if you're in the UK or, or Europe, you'd also see up on the bench top a new alternative, potato milk. Currently only found in, in the UK and Europe. Sure, we're not too far behind. Apparently, it does have a creamy milk-like consistency. 
which is most similar to an oat milk. Go well with chips, you know. <laughs> they're very closely related. <laughs> what a versatile vegetable, hey? Absolutely. Too, um... I want to know who the person was who went, you know what, I wonder if you can get milk from potatoes. Probably I mean... a guy called Patio Furniture. <laughs> he said as good as traditional milk. Alternative milks came about for, for a few reasons, I guess, dietary requirements, but also people were moving away from cow's milk because they thought of the stress that a cow goes under. When it comes to potatoes, you are making some good choices, I guess. When it comes to land use, it's almost twice as efficient as oats and okay. it uses less water than, than nut milk does. And its climate impact is 67% lower than dairy milk, in fact, which is pretty mind-boggling. That is. So that's, that is a, a, that's a crazy stat, let me tell you now. That's yeah, promising, that's, yeah. That's well, well, so we're going to still wait till we see what the outcome is. So it's piled over in the UK mm. and in parts of Europe. But I just want to know, Pete, are you going to have potato milk in your tea when it comes? Look, I have tried almond. Yep. I have tried soy. Mm. And what concerns me, Sherilyn, there's a report that came out this week of botulism in... Uh, oh, some, yes, there is And they've too. all been removed from our local supermarket shelves. For the almond uh, milk. I think it's an almond. Is it almond? Yeah, it's almond it? milk, yeah. yeah okay. It's, oh. the, it's not the health-giving properties, it's the health concerns that I've got. I don't know if you it know could I mean? be the same sort of thing with potatoes. It's pretty benign. Where I would try from. the flavour... Mm. You'd have to say, give it a go, give it a go, give it yeah, a go. Yeah, yeah. I wish we had a cup a f- that we could all be sipping on right now. Well, I've got a theory, my friend. If we can't make ice cream out of it, it's not my cup of tea. Oh. See, it's your, it's your shot of vodka, this one. <laughs> you can make vodka out of potatoes. No wonder they work <laughs> What a out. versatile product. It's a very versatile product. Oh. Well, how about you, MC? You in for the potato milk? I'm not one with a closed mind. I'd give it a go. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, it's comparable to the oat and the almond milks and mm-hmm. has good properties. So why not? I, I would give it a go. Maybe I'd put some chocolate flavouring in. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably do, try the same thing first out. Chocolate right. potato milkshake <laughs> on the menu. <laughs> oh, someone will do it. I do take the view that the Europeans and the, and the Pommies and all that don't really get that good at tasting food where they live, particularly in wintertime. Oh, they don't. Uh, we are spoiled in this country for the most magnificent fresh food all year round. And uh, I just wonder if the old potato milk... Or stack up. Just keep an eye out for Doug. Doug is the first commercially available potato milk. The jury is still out on Doug. Yeah. And we look forward to trying a bit of Doug one day. We do. Thank you, <laughs> MC. That's a great bit of goss there. Potato milk coming our way very soon. Will you try it? <laughs> Always a pleasure. That's the goss every week here at Coast FM and the Gardening Gang. There's the police at Coast FM, classic hits, wrapped around your finger with the voice of Sting, who is on the, well, near the central coast today. Sherilyn, tell me about the concert tonight. You going? No, I'm not. It's a day at the Green. Uh, He's on this evening, just up at uh, Polkabin, up there. Polkabin. It is going to be Bin Badgen Estate. Apparently they've got uh, certain parts of it sold out, but still a few tickets left. Uh, in parts of the, uh, of the of the audience section. Yes, it would be a lovely night tonight. Oh, yeah, $300 ticket. Uh, no, I just it looked it up. No, no, the, the cheap seats are $169. Reasonable. Uh, going up to $250, 260 I, I was like, okay, well, you're probably closer to the stage there. You could probably, you might catch a guitar pick or something if you're down there. I saw a review in the Herald. He was playing in Sydney during the week and they said an excellent, excellent show. I could imagine. Absolutely. Mm-mm. This is Coast FM with the gang. Little Creek Cheese is a... Get your hands dirty with the Gardening Gang.
Saturday mornings at 8 on Coast FM 963. Kicking off our two of the gardening gang with Pete Little and Cheryl and Darcy on this beautiful Saturday morning. And we're being sponsored by Alan Grahams, the caravans and RV people at Wyoming. Alan Graham's Caravans and also uh, Doormaster Security Doors and Windows at Berkeley Bale. Now, Sherlyn, allow me to hit the bell. Oh. Why? Why? Time is to... school in or is it going to be time to... Get your hands dirty, Get Coastie. your hands dirty, indeed. Here we go. Now, this is a fun way to get your hands dirty. Tomorrow, Buff Point, there's a vertical succulent garden workshop from 1 to 2 p.m. It's on uh, 19th of February tomorrow. It was on last Sunday as well, and I believe it's on every now and then, but book in. This is going to be so much fun. Learn to make your own succulent vertical garden to hang on the wall or give to someone special. The booking price, which you can find out about if you jump online, includes a planter and all the succulents you'll need to make a succulent picture. Jenny, who is running this, has exhibited her succulent vertical gardens at Sydney's Royal Botanical Gardens. Expert there, so she'll guide you through to create something beautiful. Find out more in book on artofsucculents.com. The succulent story you can get there. <laughs> there was a lot of succulents happening there. Juicy story. Okay, okay. okay. get your hands dirty. Get your hands dirty. All right, it is very hot, 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 hot. So you'll need to shade anything that might bolt, and that's your lettuce and some of your herbs as well. So get out there. Even a brolly will do. Give it a bit of shade and make sure everything's getting lots of water because it's hot and it will just dry out. And get mulch as your friend. Get your mulch around. What can you plant this week? I'm glad you all asked me. Culinary herbs, dwarf beans, beetroot, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbages, carrots, cauliflower, celery, chicory, mm, cress, endive, kohlrabis. They are getting so popular now. And also leeks, lettuce, mustard, spring onions can go in, parsnips, peas, tubers of potatoes. Oh, my gosh. With the price of tomatoes, put them in. And you could make potato milk like MC suggested as well. Radishes, crowns of rhubarb, shallots, silver beets, spinach and turnips. Lots of autumn colour can still go in now, some of the bulbs as well. And you can also put in calendula, candy tuff, Canterbury bells, Coneflowers, that's the uh, echinacea for those who like to use that word. Delphiniums, nasturtiums, nigella, pansies, iceland poppies, primula status, stock, and Pete's favourite, wallflowers. Thank you very much. The wallflowers just <laughs> hang around here, don't they? They don't go anywhere. They don't. They don't contribute to the world at all, do they? They're, beautiful. they're just wallflowers. They're lovely. Thank you, Sherilyn. That was excellent uh, report there on the, all those names I find very hard to pronounce and even spell. <laughs> There you go. Okay, classic hits throughout the morning here at Coast FM with Pete and Sherilyn. More coming up in the Garden Gang today, including our little look at the markets around the Central Coast today. More from our good friend uh, Tanya. Now, Tanya today talks about pet care. Yes. And today she talks about a special little animal that she regards as being potentially a very good pet. And it's we'll not find a dog out a little or later cat, on. is it? No. <laughs> Coast FM. The kids right here at Coast FM 963, and that's Queen, a crazy little thing called Low. Now, coming up today, as promised, Sherilyn, we have uh, a very good friend from the pet industry, and that is uh, Tanya, mm-hmm. pet vet nurse. And she has a very interesting animal she's going to recommend today Uh that would be a lovely pet. 
Not for every household. Not for mine. Because we've been mm. sort of filled in on what it is and it's we quite amazing. That. Stay with us. Pam, Pete, Little, Cheryl and Darcy today with the Gardening Gang mm. talking to Tanya Middleton. Who is Tanya Middleton? She is our pet vet nurse. Mm. With her lovely little cat called Levi. We love Levi. Yeah, we know about Levi, Tan. Hello, Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello. Have you got Levi? Are you stroking Levi this morning as we talk to you? It's a lovely thought, isn't it? He is sound asleep right next to me. (laughs) (laughs) A bit like Pete sometimes. Sometimes. Now, Sharon, we're talking chickens today. We're talking chickens. Well, today we're talking community gardens, and I guess some community gardens have chickens. And the thought occurred to me that some people might like to keep chickens as pets. So, Tanya, <laughs> do chickens... The thought appeared to you oh, <laughs> overnight. Not, not just for, for eggs, you know. <laughs> in, in a vision. In a vision, oh, I as was a, like, the pet. playful pet. As a playful pet. Not just locked no. away and said, you know, give us some give eggs. Some eggs. Oh. No, 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 no. I've never heard of that or a before. chicken give. But oh. I'm just saying, Tanya... Do you know what? Chickens make amazing pets. They are so underrated. <laughs> they go. Oh, they are great pets. You know, I had chickens growing up at one point of my life and particularly certain breeds of chickens, but, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're great. They're like little little dogs. They'll follow you around the garden. Really? And, like a dog. You know, if you interact with them enough, they'll even come and sit on your sit on your lap. Um, like I say, particularly certain breeds, silky, silky chickens, mm. oh, they're just gorgeous to look at and they are so friendly. They'll just come and just sit with you and be with you. They're beautiful. Do you, can you cuddle them like these silky chickens? Can you oh, give them a cuddle? Yeah. You can. There you, you go. You know, I know you can really. pluck them. No, you don't. <laughs> oh, no, terrible. No, no, don't pluck no them. plucking chickens. Cuddling. Yeah, especially for little kids. Like, they love chickens. They are yeah, kids. yeah, and chickens love them. Uh, mm. Have they got a violent streak if they're unhappy, <laughs> Tanya? Bit of pecking going on here unnecessarily? I think chickens can. You know, if they're, it's just like a dog or a cat. If they're not used to being held, mm. well, yeah, they're going to struggle and, you know, they, they, they absolutely can peck you. I'm not saying go and pick up any chicken that you see. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah, they definitely can peck and scratch you. I was going to say, is there one breed that's more calm than the other? Do we go for a Rhode Island Red or something or, a, you know? In my experience, absolutely. Silkies are very chilled. The silkies are the ones with all the feathers on their face. They look like they can't see, don't they? They look, they're all fluffy. fluffy They've got a fluffy they're head. All different colours. Yeah, yeah, they're very pretty. They're, 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 they're very, very pretty. pretty. They're very pretty girls. Maybe that's why mm. they're calm because they're just they're behind all and those feathers. Tell me this, Tan. If you uh, were going to engage in the uh, the close uh, association with a chicken, how long would one have? Are they a, a two year proposition? Five, ten? Um, gosh, I don't know off the top of my head, but look, eight, eight years old, oh, okay. probably, That's right. maybe That's a little bit life. older. We have people come into the vet and they adore their chickens. You know, they, they're sad when they, they have to euthanize them. Like, they cry and, you know, they're just very devoted to these chickens. You know, not only that, 
they lay eggs and, you know, so they, they kind of pay for themselves. I was going to say, they earn their you know, keep, don't they, around the house? It's like, absolutely. Uh, uh, cats don't do that. I've never <laughs> seen a sign at a beach saying, no walking your chicken. No walking your chicken. <laughs> chicken on the leash. It's an open book. You can take them oh, anywhere. No, I have seen that. I, look, I've not seen it in person, but I have seen it on the internet. I've seen people, they have their chickens in harnesses and they, they walk them. People oh, taking their chickens. girl for, does that. So who does? Yeah. My friend's little girl, she um, she takes her chickens where, for where? a walk up and down her street. No way. In Forrester's Beach. In Forrester's yes. Beach. <laughs> be careful of Matt Steiner. Don't take it there. There's something fried chicken. It's tempting there. Not in there. Well, not in there. This would have to be one of the most bizarre conversations we've ever had in two, what, three years we've been operating with Tanya, using a chicken as a pet. Using a chicken I mean, as a pet. it's beyond. But as a parting thought there, Tanya, what would one need to factor in to look after a chicken for a year as an expense? Would it be um, 500 bucks a year? Like for injections. But you got to hang on, food. hang on, hang on. It's a slight. You get you minus the eggs as well. You get eggs are expensive oh, these you got days. The eggs so it might that's the other side itself. of the ledger, isn't it? Yeah, okay. it might. I think so. There's a revenue involved here as well. You, would you recover enough oh, eggs look, to pay I for all their costs? So. I don't eat eggs, but I would. I would eat them if they were coming from a friend because I would know, you know, mm. whether they were ethically sourced. But oh. I think with me. I've not eaten them for so long that if I did eat an egg, it would probably make me feel sick. However, you know, they have too many eggs. They bring them into work like they're overflowing with eggs. Well, <laughs> they don't go. know what to do with them. So I think, I think they would definitely sure. pay for themselves. We did do surgery on a, um, a rooster once, poor, poor rooster. Yeah. He, they thought he was a female. Oh, so they reared this little this little chicken up, and he, it ended up he was a rooster. But the family was in love with it. It was in, uh. and anyway, he was crowing, and you know they had heard that if you castrate them, they stop crowing. And we tried the the implant, and it wasn't working. The implant. There's an implant you can use. Anyway, it, it wasn't working. What so are these trans chickens? Are they? <laughs> <Stop it. laughs> no, no, it, it was a hormonal implant, but it wasn't. It wasn't working. We decided to castrate this rooster, and this was years ago, so it's probably a lot more expensive could be these any, days. But it was five hundred. Le- it was it might be illegal now. <laughs> No, it's five hundred dollars, and unfortunately, like it's a big operation for for a rooster. Yeah, to do an intra-abdominal surgery. Mm. Anyway, sadly, the rooster died, and they knew the risk. It was a huge risk, and sadly, the rooster died. It still cost them five hundred dollars, and they didn't have their rooster. And it was so—I felt so terrible for the family. It was so heartbreaking. Oh. These little children were so in love oh. with this rooster. <laughs> because they didn't want to rehome him because no. they loved him so much. Of course, yes. Right. Not a lot of uh, demand for Bad. trans chickens. So <laughs> he's gone out in peace. <laughs> we were talking about names. I can't we, remember. <laughs> yeah, but maybe oh, well. we could just... Um, yeah. Maybe yeah. it was Mr. In-Between. I'm not even going to make one up. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. In-Between. <laughs> he was good. Settle down, girl. At some called, point, we're going to move forward to the eunuch. Okay. Doodle do, not cock a doodle do. <laughs> doodle don't. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, thank you, Tan. We've been 
excited today to talk about keeping chickens as pets. And as Sherilyn fades into the background there, we'll catch you next week. Thanks, Tanya. Thanks, Tanya. (laughs) There's Tanya Middleton. What a sweetie. Coast FM with Pete Little and Sherilyn Darcy, the gardening gang, on this Saturday morning. And time for the property report with Lachlan McDonald from Ray White McDonald Partners. Good morning, Lachlan. Good morning. Now, Lachlan has been, well, shall we say, the year behind us now. We've got no excuses for COVID. It's well behind us. A year ago, there were a limited number of properties on the market, causing all sorts of outcomes for, for sellers. But now there's plenty of stuff in stock. You can maybe give us an idea of what might be the three biggest turnoffs for real estate buyers on the coast. Any thoughts? Mm. Yeah, no, it's an interesting point to talk about, Pete, because whilst there is still relatively low levels of stock, there's certainly more than there was, say, the last couple of years, and sellers are happy to compete, not necessarily a lot more strongly for buyers' interest over other properties, but just have to compete strongly to get buyers to actually make a commitment at all. So some of the things which I think buyers are really turned off by, especially given the the environment at the moment Mm -hmm. with the cost of work and the cost of renovation uh, is immediate work. Things that are not not just, um, let's say you've got a dated kitchen. I don't mean that. I mean, maintenance hasn't been kept up. So there's things that are actually broken that need to be fixed before the people who buy the property can actually live there. So it might be a plumbing issue, it might be a roofing issue or... Any number of things that you're talking about that make it livable. Yeah, like if you've got a, an ongoing leak, say damage to a wall, um, damage to a ceiling that's broken, you've got cupboards in the kitchen are worse for wear, they're sort of hanging off or yeah. something like that. Yeah, musty you know, smells. All these things, yeah, these things that aren't, they're not just the property being old because, Pete, I'm sure you'd imagine we see plenty of properties, they haven't been touched since the 70s, but they're still in immaculate condition. So there's a very big difference between something being old and something being in a poor state of repair. Okay. If there's immediate work that needs to be done on top of the purchase price, like day one, those properties are finding it more challenging. They're going to sit there or they're going to really have to sort of cut the uh, asking price and negotiate down a bit, I suppose, yeah. That's right, yeah. You're just, you're just making it all about dollars, really, mm. when you present a home in that fashion. Well, there's the top one. Uh, we need two more. Mm. So uh, another one I'd say, Pete, you sort of, hit on this before, musty smells, but not just musty smells, all smells. Smell is such a big turnoff for property buyers and such a simple thing to fix. Things like if you're having an inspection the next day, be mindful of what you had for dinner the night before, genuinely, because it can be quite confronting if you walk into a home and it's got that stale food smell or something like that. um, It really actually can turn people off and it just makes people feel uncomfortable in the inspection and even though it's got nothing to do with the home it's just not a nice experience so Mm. they they actually translate that and and sort of put that onto the home itself well good point there mate i guess uh, 12 months ago that wasn't a major issue because people were chasing whatever they could get their hands on that's right people are being more picky so you've just got to consider these things and these are things which are nothing new we've had to consider that for a long time probably heard the thing of coffee and freshly baked bread and all that yeah. um the reason for that is to create a positive smell in the house so yeah. when people walk in they go oh this smells lovely in here this is how welcoming is this this is nice okay well that's a very very uh, valid point mate out of our three big turnoffs for buyers this year what's our third one yeah pete i would say that in this current market 
one of the big turnoffs for buyers is both agents and sellers that maybe don't appear to be in tune with the market. What I mean by that is there's a lot of sellers that, you know, in the market that maybe haven't been given the right advice by their agent, that maybe aren't taking into consideration the, the current market. Um, and that's frustrating for buyers because they feel like as if um, they, they're sort of wasting their time. Mm. So a really good way to encourage engagement from buyers in the current market is to make sure that they're aware that you are on top of things, you know, being able to justify the price that you're asking with recent comparable sales, not a sale from 12 months ago in the street, something uh-huh. recent, you know, yep, things that, are, yep. that, that really show that, yes, this is what we're asking, yep. this is what we're expecting, mm. and here's why we still think that's relevant in today's market. So that's, I'd say, another turnoff for buyers at the moment, uh, sellers and agents that are not really in tune with um, that the market conditions have changed. And have they ever? <laughs> well, from the outsider's point of view, uh, I'd imagine someone that uh, he said, "Oh, when you, last year we got two million dollars for that." No, I'm sorry, it's not going to be anywhere near that. You're always much better to attract a, a good amount of interest and get buyers to the property and let the competition of the market generate the price, rather than going out there and really hoping for that sort of premium dollar. Um, it, it unfortunately has the opposite effect in a lot of cases. So there it is, the top three turn-offs to buyers at the moment. There you go, Lachlan. Thank you for your time this morning on the Property Report. Maybe we'll catch you next week. And a song written by a gentleman who uh, passed away earlier this week. His name was Bert Bacharach. He wrote the music and Hal David wrote the words. I just don't know what to do with myself. So what do we do with ourselves next week, uh, Sherilyn, on the show? We've got plans. Next week we have plans. It's all about plans, actually, Pete. It's about garden designing. So we're looking at how do you get how do you get a design together? Should you employ someone to do it? What are the shortcuts? And also looking at designing for inclusivity as well. So including everybody and everybody's uh, needs and requirements for a garden. It's an exciting show next week. Now you've got a degree in this uh, design. I might just have to tap you your thoughts on this because you won't charge me a zack will you no i won't charge you anything pete mate's right is that where